The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. This is Michael Drake, Chancellor of the University of California, Irvine. And whenever I get the urge to hear the voice of independent music, I tune in to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine or over the web at KUCI.org. Want to make a difference? Live United. United Way is creating real, lasting change where you live by focusing on the building blocks of a better life, education, income, and health. Help create opportunities for everyone in your community. That's what it means to live united. Go to liveunited.org for more information. A public service message brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. there you're listening to get the funk out i'm your host janine and i have a very special guest coming on in just a little bit her name is alma schneider and some of you ask how do you find all these great guests well i read the newspaper a lot i read a lot of magazines sometimes people email me different guests uh, potential people to get in touch with and i read about alma in uh, this month's family fund magazine and she's a very interesting backstory she's going to come on in just a little bit and tell you about it But she has created this organization where she gets parents back in touch with their musical roots and raises thousands for charity in the process. And that organization is called Parents Who Rock. She also helped start an organization called Take Back the Kitchen. She's going to be talking about that as well. So it's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Alma Schneider. Good morning, Alma. Good morning, Janine. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. I was introducing you, and I read about you in Family Fun magazine. Tell me a little bit about your background, how you, you know, I know you have a love of music. Mm -hmm. Well, um, if I go way back, I'm from a family of seven children, and my whole family was musical. And my dad, my parents weren't necessarily musical, but they loved music, and my father had a an outstanding record collection, thousands of records. So kind of our everyday life consisted of sitting in our living room just staring at all these (laughs) thousands of records and him playing all kinds of music, and he had an incredibly eclectic taste in music. So we had everything from Scottish Christmas music Mm -hmm. to Johnny Cash to ABBA to Sonny and Cher. I mean, every covered folk, you know, everything. He just loved music, and we were just exposed to it at a very young age. So we just That's had this, you know, as part of our lives. And we all went on to take music classes and guitar. We all, you know, we didn't have much money, so we would all get scholarships and mm-hmm. go to the local music school and played guitar. And most of my family ended up going to the High School of Music and Art, which is now called LaGuardia High School of the Arts. Oh, yes. yes. In New York City. For all those from the East Coast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I studied voice there. And... Um, I played, I, my sister and I, one of my sisters and I had a little act. Uh, we oh, both cute. wrote songs and performed at Folk City, which is no longer in, ex- in existence. But What was that? It was a folk club in, in the village in New York. Mm-hmm. And we would perform there, and it was very exciting. And um, I went off to college, and I did open mics. 
And then I became a social worker. Mm-hmm. Then I got married and had kids. And I was so busy, I stopped doing music. <laughs> and, and I would just listen to it. And how did, how did you feel about that? Did you feel like there was a piece missing from you? Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, you know, I sort of lamented the fact that I wasn't playing or performing. I really enjoyed performing. And I really like writing songs. Um, but I just, I really love to sing. That's great. Most of all. And I just wasn't doing any of it because life takes over. Sure. And you just, you know, I would write little songs for my kids, and I was always singing everything, you know, about when we were going to eat and about their dirty (laughs) diapers. I was always singing, but not, you know, real songs. So, um... Not that those aren't real songs. No, it's cute, though. Oh, I do. We had a song about bath time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just like that. And so um, the the way that Parents Who Rock started was I, um, one of my kids, my third son, Lincoln, shockingly, you know, right at birth, we found out he had this very serious syndrome. It's called Prader-Willi syndrome. It's rare, and it's, um, when you look at it online, it looks, Horrible. I was looking it up online. It has to do with, yeah. is it missing a chromosome? Is that what it's, it is? It's a, well, there, there's a, one of them is, I think, an extra chromosome, and he mm-hmm. has a little deletion of a chromosome. And it's basically, you know, there are a lot of behavioral issues, and um, the main feature is that you are always hungry. And I saw that. Always want to, and you don't have a switch in your brain that mm-hmm. tells you that you're not hungry. So it's actually very, very dangerous um, because mm. there's no reflex to throw up to be graphic and yes. if you just have no sense of when you've eaten enough it you know no sense of when you're full happen in your body that yeah. i won't get into yeah. but it's very very dangerous and um it looks much worse online mm-hmm. uh, than it does in reality but i didn't okay. know that at the time so as you can imagine i was quite devastated we had no you know, knowledge of this prior to his birth so I was very depressed, mm-hmm. as one might be, after this, and I had two little kids at home, and I remember very, very early on, I, um, I was talking to a friend of mine named Christina Malhotra, who lives in my town, Yes. and she said, she's a dancer, and she said, you have to get back to your creative side. Yes. You just have to, you have to get back into being creative. And you know those moments where you're so vulnerable, and you just, everything, some, you know, something somebody says can just with you. Yes. And, so, and Alma, oh, I mean, my whole theme of the show is get the funk out, and you were yeah. in such a <laughs> funk. But thank goodness for your friend. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I listened to her. You know, mm-hmm. I immediately started looking for open mics. Like, literally, I think that day I was like, yes. where's an open mic? Somebody find me an open yes. mic. So I went to this local um, coffee house in, in our town, and I, um, and I asked the woman who owned it, I said, you know, do you ever do, because I had heard that she did open mics, and, and she said, no, we don't do them anymore because everybody's an amateur and they're not good. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, I said, I know a lot of people who are good in town who are parents. And she said, well, if you can put, if you can get me a show with eight performers, oh, you I can do it. a parents' night. I love it. And so I said, oh, I have eight performers. And, of course, I didn't, and I lied, <laughs> and I ran out of there. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a community organizer. I'm a social worker. So yeah. I got to work. I got on the phone, and I started calling everybody I knew. And until I found enough performers, like through word of mouth, and people said, sure. oh, I know somebody who plays in their basement, and, you know, they play in their garage. And within a very short time, I had eight performers put on a show, and I just publicized it up the wazoo. Did you, excuse me, had you, did you get like, CDs to listen to, or did you, some of them you weren't quite sure no, of their ability? No, I didn't care. Can I curse on the show? No. <laughs> no, okay, I won't curse. I like but, what um, I do. I'd like to stay on the station. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I was going to say, we... 
we didn't care. Okay. I mean, I just, you know, people gave yeah. me CDs yeah. because they thought this was some professional thing, but little did they know I was some mom yeah. who was putting together this thing just so I could sing it in an open mic. But people got very, you know, businesslike and were sending me CDs and all this, and um, it, was, it was fun. And so... That's really I, funny when you I, think I, about it. Sorry? That's really funny when you think about it because, you know, the night of the show when everybody shows up, you had no idea their ability. No, no, we really didn't. I mean, some of the people I had heard, I had given me CDs. Other people I just heard through other people, they were good. But we just, we all promoted it. Everybody mm-hmm. who was in it, little did I know that this would be a crucial piece to Parents Who Rock, that when you have so many performers in a show, you get a big audience. Yes. Because everybody's bringing their friends. Of course. So I thought it was just me publicizing, you know, with my friends to come. But we ended up completely packing the place. Like oh, packed I love and through that. people standing in the hallways, and for, you know, this is here I am, you know, with this situation at home. Yes, and um, you know, my son had a feeding tube in his stomach, oh. and I was pumping milk five times a day so that I could feed him breast milk through a, a pump because that was the only thing I could do to help him. And uh, oh, awesome. I so that was that was that was what my days were spent <laughs> doing, awesome. and he was only. Six months old, I think, when I started Parents to Rock, or seven months old. So there I was during the day, pumping, making sure that I get the last pump before the show. Yes. And then I get there, and I have just produced this rock show oh my with God. all these people, packed the house, and it was Sounds so awesome. I can't even describe the feeling. <laughs> I can't even great. describe it, but I will tell you that we went. You know, after everybody was incredible in the show, and I we had decided to charge um, five dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, for for just to have a cover charge because mm-hmm. I had always heard it's, you know it's important to have a cover or else nobody comes if even if it's you know you got to charge a little bit so we okay. said let's make it for the tsunami you know that had just happened in Thailand at okay. the time it was I guess 2005 yes and somebody there through work what we ended up raising three hundred dollars and it was just this incredible show I mean everything about it was incredible and somebody at the show said I can bring this to work and get it tripled what so she did so we raised almost a thousand dollars where. Everybody had the most amazing time. The performers were great. The audience was thrilled because, um, you know, they were seeing their friends. They were seeing some good talent. Yes. And it was just a win-win. Everything about it was fantastic. fantastic. We, you know, raise money for a charity. People who hadn't performed in years. Look what you did for them. I mean, they were probably yeah. thinking, oh, I'm never going to play again. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so it just it was so exhilarating. And I just remember... <laughs> I'm just going to get graphic because, you know, I won't curse, but I'll get graphic. Please don't. But I, I remember sitting on my bed. Yes. Um, there was a big mirror in front of, you know, my bedroom. And I'm, I remember I, I sat on my, my husband drove the babysitter home mm-hmm. afterwards. And I sat there on my bed pumping. Mm-hmm. And I caught myself in the mirror and I had this gigantic grin on my face. <laughs> just, That's I was great. Thinking, like, I was in disbelief. I was yeah. in like ecstasy. Like I couldn't believe like, what had just happened. Look what you did, kind of. Thing. What yeah. what I did and what mm-hmm. how that I was able to feel good again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start crying here, but it was, you know, this was so what I needed. You know, it was just yeah. it couldn't be more of what I needed to lift myself out of this funk. You yes, know, on this yeah. funk show. Yes. And this was truly. I was like, oh my god, this is going to be my salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and all because you listened to your friend. It was a reality slap. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah, it was is, like, this isn't, it. you know, this isn't you. Like, my, cause my fear, you know, and this goes back to the whole idea of what Parents Who Rock is and, I, and why it's, I think, so meaningful to so many people is that I was terrified I was going to be, that my new identity was going to be special needs mother. 
I see. which I did not want to be. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want people to perceive me that way because I had my own, you know, stigmas about that. You know, I no longer do, believe you me. Right. But my idea, you know, was that I was going to have no life, that my, you know, and I'm a very social person, I'm very outgoing, and I was terrified that this situation was going to cause me to be, you know, a recluse. I was going to have yes. to be at home. Nobody yes. would want to socialize with us. We were going to oh. lose our friends. I was going to lose my identity, who I was, and my identity was going to become, oh, you know, people feeling sorry for me. Oh, that's that oh, woman awesome. who has kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was terrified of that. Awesome. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is, I'm back to where I was, you know, mm-hmm. years ago. So I'm not that person. So it really, you know, and not that people necessarily would have thought that about me, but that was my irrational fear. Of course. And this allowed me to not, um, you know. To, to get on this path of, Fantastic. I have a life, you know, mm-hmm. and I can do these wonderful things. And yes, part of my life is, you know, and to be honest, it's not so bad with my son. Like <laughs> it's much, no, much, sure. much, much, much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but but it, let me back up a second. What it gave you was, you know, something for yourself, an outlet for yourself. So your focus wasn't a hundred percent on him, exactly. and wallowing and being so upset and exactly. so worried, and you needed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you're, it's fear of the unknown, you know, especially yeah. when, when you have a kid who, who's born, you know, the day one, you find out there's something severely wrong with your child. Yes. You just, it's the fear of like, what, what's going to happen? There's no, you don't know what life is going to be like. And yes, it's easy to get swallowed up in that. Mm-hmm. And to have a focus away from that is so important. It takes you out of yourself. You know, like you said, it's, it's, right. you, you don't have time to wallow because you're focusing on something that's really awesome, which is what Parents Who Rock turned out to be. And let's be realistic. You come home with a big smile on your face and your son, who isn't feeling so good, he's going to see this uplifted mom. Exactly. And it's, so that's another piece. You know, you have to, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, I can't focus on myself so much because it'll take away from my kids. And believe me, I struggle mm. with that because I do a lot of things outside of family life. Yes. But I am a firm believer, um, as many, you know, people are, and anybody who's in parenting will tell you that you have to be happy with your life in order to be a better parent. And I, I really do believe that, and it's allowed me. And I involve my children in all the Parents Who Rock events in some capacity. So they're part of it, and they see, they, you know, it's so important for them. You know, my husband and I feel that they're seeing that life goes on, like really crappy things can happen that yes. you don't expect. But you can go forward and do amazing things and have amazing people around you. And it's just, um, it's a great model for them. That's for fantastic. Everybody. That is, that's great. You know, and so for anybody listening, we're talking with Alma Schneider. And uh, we're talking about parents who rock. Who came up with the name? Did you come up with the name? Um, I think that my sister Zoe and I did. Like, I remember brainstorming with her. And at first it was going to be Montclair's Time Out. <laughs> pun on words, and then parents who rock underneath. But people started getting very confused, and I don't know, somehow it just eventually ended up as parents who rock. Yes, I love it. I love it. And then you recently had an event this past Saturday. Want to tell yes, me about that? Yes, we did. And um, it's funny because we have a California tie-in to our event, which just happened two days ago. Mm-hmm. We uh, raised money. So every event, sorry, there's my call okay. coming in. I didn't know how to turn it off. I'm That's not very technical. No problem. Um, no problem. I'll ignore it. Uh, we raised money. Every event that we do for Parents Who Rock is for a different cause. And we chose the Sandra Koch Fund. Sandra Koch was a public defender uh, living in Oakland, California. And she uh, tragically was murdered in August, uh, this August of Awful. 2013. Um, 
And her sister happens to live in Montclair, New Jersey, where we live. She's our neighbor and a good friend, and we found out that uh, Sandra Koch, who passed, her daughter is 15 years old, and um, Sandra was a single mom. So there was a fund set up by Sandra's uh, job, I believe, and her friends to raise money to help out with her daughter. That's fantastic. For her education. So we thought that um, this was a perfect opportunity for us to do some some fundraising as well. So we we had our event this past Saturday. It's an annual event we do um, right in the backyard uh, for the entire community. And uh, kids are usually not allowed to our events because it's parents' (laughs) night out, but this is a family event that we do once a year. And we raise money for the Sandra Koch Fund. And there is a CrowdRise campaign going on right now. So if you Google Sandra Koch Fund, for CrowdRise, you'll find it, and you can donate as well, but it's all, all the money goes to help her daughter. That's tremendous. Yeah, that who will so now tremendous. be living in Montclair, New Jersey. Oh, that is so great. Yeah, we're very happy to help out. It's a wonderful family who does a lot in Montclair, very um, much of an activist family, and, and we're happy to help them in any way we can. It's fantastic how you all pull together to help, help this girl. Yeah, well, we, mm-hmm. we believe in community, and we really, Parents Who Rock, we really try to do hyper-local events so that they really touch people, and that's, um, you know, people are going to donate to what is meaningful to them. So we try to keep it hyper-local as much as we can for that purpose. And I read that your biggest project to date with Parents Who Rock, you raised $200,000? We helped raise $200,000 with um, the Montclair Fund for Educational Excellence, which is a nonprofit in town that helps raise money for activities that the school district can't pay for, mm-hmm. and we work together, and with our publicity and our performances and our fundraising parties, we, we did, we raised, I think, somewhere between one hundred fifty and $200,000 to wow. help build this playground that is um, a universal access playground in the middle of Montclair. We believe it's the best playground in Montclair, as many people do, and it, the purpose of it was to um, to have, you know, all kids be able to have access to the equipment. So whether they're so handicapped that, or whatever. Exactly. So people who have um, disabilities and kids who do not, typical kids, can play together. Because it's so, you know, oftentimes you have kids who have issues who cannot play on a playground, and they yes. don't get to play with children who are typical, where That's there's right. great modeling that takes place. And also for kids who are typical, it's so important for them to see kids who are different from them. It's right. from an early age, and they can see that, oh, this isn't so strange. You know, like back in the day when we were in school when everybody was so segregated with the special needs classes and you didn't spend That's any right. time with people who were different from you. Yeah, they just and, sat in their wheelchairs off to the side or yeah, whatever. exactly. So this was a really great opportunity um, to – this was something that was in the works before we came around, but someone on the disability committee in Montclair approached me and said, would you be willing – would parents who are be willing to do a fundraiser – for this um, playground that's been in the works for a while, we really we really need money because it's expensive, mostly for the flooring of the playground because it's it's very costly to have the very soft ground, which mm-hmm. most playgrounds don't have, yes. to make it safe um, for kids who are falling or you know for for wheelchairs. So we said not only will we do a party, we just came out with a CD, a Parents Rock CD. So we said oh, beautiful. we'll make this our campaign for the year. So that's how we raised so much money, and we it was incredible. And it's a fantastic playground, so kids with you know of all abilities are able to play together. This is a prototype for so many other areas. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I've had people from other states approach me, you know, contact me, you know, from magazines that I've been in, and you mm-hmm. know, articles, and we've been on the news, and um, 
they want to start it. Nobody, as far as I know, has started it yet, but um, there is interest. So I'm always happy to talk with people who want to get started with this because the truth is, in most towns, you have musicians. And it's a really simple way to fundraise. And I love what the article said. It said, you know how it is. One day you're an interesting, creative young person. Then you get bogged down with adulthood and you're raising kids. And you wonder, whatever happened to your sparkle? Yeah. So true. So true. So this is a way for people. I mean, we have a lot of people who have gotten divorced. And, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who have experienced loss or they're kind of questioning who they are at this point. Um, You know, am I just a mom? My kids are growing up. What do I want to do? And this people, you know, it's just so funny because so many people say, They'll, they'll tell me, they know that I, I do Parents Who Rock, and they'll say, oh, I used to play, but I haven't played since high school. And I'm like, that's who's in Parents Who Rock. Right. People who, Perfect. who they feel, I mean, once you're a musician, you're always a musician. Yes. And even if you haven't practiced or done it, it's, it's a part of you. And I, I right. really believe that. It's, you don't lose that. And it's like riding a bike. And people who have performed, and people, we, we have people who had always had an interest in performing but never did it. And mm-hmm. we also have people who performed many, many years ago. Um, but haven't done it recently. We have people who are professional musicians in it who just want to help with the cause and like playing with us. So it's um, we have every you know type of musician, and it's just a great way to re you know it's like a renaissance. It's, yes. it's who you were, and to be able to grasp that part of you that you thought was lost. That's right. And you know if you've ever performed doing anything, it's so exciting. Right. And exhilarating. And to be able to feel that again when you thought, like, oh, I'll never feel that again or I'll never do that again. And then to be able to do it when you're, you know, 40, 50, 60. That's right. It's really something. It's so never too we, old. You're never too old to do never. this. It's just, it is such a beautiful, you know, association of musicians. We have well over 100 musicians at this point, And um, it's that. become a network of sorts. You know, people are connected to each other. Through Parents Rock, they meet through Parents Rock. It's become a social thing. You know, it's just everything about it is so uplifting. And we raise money for local charities. I mean, everything about it is fantastic. So how many events would you anticipate or would you like to see happen, you know, throughout the year? Um, you know, it varies because we do so many out-of-the-box type things, which is sort of my life in general. I like out-of-the-box and, yes, you know, just different kinds of things. So... It's hard to answer that question because if something comes up, like, for example, this summer, uh, you might have read about this in Family Fun Magazine, but somebody told me that there were these kids who were uh, aging out of foster care, but Mm -hmm. all had scholarships to colleges in in New Jersey, and they were going to be put up for the summer because they have nowhere to go in the summer. When kids, you know, have aged out of foster care, they don't have homes anymore. Right. So these kids were in college and had housing through the year, you know, the school year, but nowhere to go in the summer. So there was this program set up where they would have internships and housing. And the coordinator of the program told me they would get lunch provided for them, but no breakfast or dinner. And what? I also have a, you know, I, I have a company called Take Back the Kitchen. It's a, I help people overcome their psychological and practical obstacles to cooking. Yes, I want to talk about that after this. Go ahead. Yeah, so, I, so when I heard that these kids had no breakfast or, or dinner, I was like, <laughs> all right. Here we go. <laughs> uh, now, you know, all right, now you have me. Right. So we ended up doing one concert mm-hmm. and crazy Facebook promotion, you know, for Parents Who Rock, where yes. Parents Who Rock served as the, you know, we could take in the money for this um, cause. And yes. we raised enough money to feed all of these kids. Oh, how great. Uh, for the summer. And with money, we have money left over that will go into next year's fund. So that was literally just one concert. And this literally, in about six weeks, we raised about $10,000. Wow. 
That's incredible. Just from Facebook and saying, you know, parents are rock, we're doing this, Mm -hmm. and we're, you know, we we have this need. So that's one example of just this literally happened from one day to the next. We were told that these kids didn't have it. Or, you know, once the community knows that you mean business and that you're going to work hard and you're going to, you know, they trust you as a brand. You know, they know the parents, you know, they know who we are at this point. We've been around for almost 10 years. It's people in the community, they know that, this money I'm giving is going directly to give this kid food, and we don't have to worry about, you know, we don't take any of the money. Parents Rock is completely run by volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, every cent goes to to the organization that we're raising money for. So people people want to know that. It's so right. important, you know, that there's so much that goes to overhead and all this, and we don't have any because we're all volunteers working out of the house, and, and we have just such wonderful people involved who update our website. You know, we have someone named Liz Uva who just updates our website. We have people who do the website, you know, who created the website for us, people who... That who, is Ed is our sound man. He lugs the equipment. He donates the equipment from this other organization he's involved with in our town. Just when you have that, people see, wow, they're really working hard, and we're going to help them. Mm-hmm. So when something like this program with the foster kids comes up, it can be a very easy, quick way to raise money. And look what you did for these kids. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And uh, so something like that will happen. Then we'll do, we do a tribute concert in January now, a yearly tribute concert. The last one was for a Tom Petty tribute concert. Ooh, that was I like great. That. The year before was Bob Dylan, and uh, we'll soon be announcing this coming January's. But that's another, you know, everybody does only one song, and it's incredibly fun, as you can imagine. Now, um, do these groups of parents get together and they have to rehearse a lot or who decides you know how well long? it's not one band so what it is is so out of all these musicians i mm-hmm. mentioned so over a hundred so i'll send an email out and i'll say to the musicians um we have a show coming up in january who wants in and within those hundred musicians some of them are a, have a band formed of you know four or five people mm-hmm some are just singer songwriters themselves some are duo so it's a whole mix of people you know and bands and um, just individuals who will perform one of the usually it's like seven acts yes. in the show. Yes. For the Tom Petty one, it's literally we had twenty three performers because they all did one song each. But typically, oh. a Parents Who Rock show is seven acts. Everybody gets fifteen minutes, and that's another beautiful thing about Parents Who Rock. <laughs> that's why it works because when you're a parent and mm-hmm. when you have a career. It's very hard to find time to rehearse. If you want to perform, usually when you go to a bar or something and you're good enough to perform, there are two 45-minute sets. That's right. And nobody can rehearse that much at this stage of the game unless they're a professional musician. So we only ask people to do 15 minutes. So they get to do three songs. So that's pretty doable for most anybody. And Elma, Elma, excuse me, are most of these musicians all in New Jersey, New York? Most of them are are around where we are in Montclair Mm -hmm. and the, the surrounding towns. And some are in New York. Some come from New York, but typically it's it's within our, you know, our area in That's, New Jersey. So yeah, so we have all different you know ways of you know getting the performers. So some are bands, some are some are individuals. I want to come out. I want to crash one of the bands you with should. their permission. <laughs> I want to. I my, what I was what was so yeah. fun this past Saturday was that I got to announce a band that I met that I. Um, was the matchmaker for. I connected oh. all of them. They were all separate entities who were looking for another really? musician, a, a drummer, a bass player. I didn't, I didn't match one of them. They found one on their own. But um, the other three, I put them all together, and then they were bands. So I felt like I created a boy. You know, it wasn't all boys, but it was, yes. it was like creating a, like a boy band creator. And it was very fun because there were all these musicians looking for other people, people sure. to play with. 
So, and that's also really hard for especially parents, you know, how do I go about, if I even had the time to put a band together, how would I find them? Do I have to put ads in the paper? You never know who's going to come to your door, if they're, you know, whatever. Yes. So I also serve as like a matchmaker for these people who come to me and they say, oh, I'm looking for, oh, if you know, any huge. guitarists or any drummers. Yes. So that's another really gratifying thing to do. That <laughs> to is put them great. Together. And they're a band and they're great. And it's just, everything about it is so fun. And you know, I'm such a networker. I love to network. I love connecting people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I like making things happen. And and this, this fills so many needs for me. I can't even tell you. Like, it's just so gratifying on so many levels. I am smiling so much right now because I'm thinking, not only did this all help you, but look at all the people you're helping. Yeah, people love it. I mean, it's just so fun. It's so fun. And when you know that you're enjoying yourself and that people are enjoying listening to you and you're raising money for a local cause, yes. I mean, it's just tremendous wonderful Alma we're going to take a short break we'll be back I want to talk more about your other organization take back to the kitchen okay all right hang tight you're listening to get the funk out I'm your host Janine that was Alma Schneider if you've missed any part of the show it'll be up on my blog which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org I'll be back in just a bit the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI its management or the UC Board of Regents to find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, mentor a kid who needs someone on their side, volunteer to read to children, make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. The path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Hi there. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. We are back with Alma Schneider, who's uh, called in from the East Coast. Hi, Alma. Hi. So I want to talk about Take Back the Kitchen. Okay. Tell me about that. All right. Well, we've just talked about my, my music. It's Sounds like I have two lives, but they're right. they're very intertwined, um, or three, four lives. Take back the kitchen. Um, I have always been obsessed with food. <laughs> I love food, <laughs> just like I told you that my whole family is very musical. We all are obsessed with food as well. Love to eat. And when you grow up in New York City and you're exposed to all these great different kinds of restaurants, oh, I know. you know, you just want to make them all. So I've always cooked my whole life, and I and I, you know. I have the kind of personality where I just, you know, if I couldn't figure it out, I would just try to make it and, you know. That's good. You know, trial and error. Um, And my mother always cooked, you know, even though she had seven kids and worked, you know, we would have healthy, wholesome meals on the table all the time. So I grew up in that kind of an atmosphere. Um, As I got older, I, um, you know, when I was taking a little hiatus from work as a social worker, I... um, just started encountering all these moms who really were struggling with getting meals on the table. 
And they would come to my house, and I'd give them all kinds of food because I was always cooking. Because for me, once I started having kids, I I, I was able to cook even more because I found little strategies, you know, little pockets of time to prep my food and cook it. And I was in heaven when it came to food because I I felt like I had more time. But I found that for a lot of women who were at home, this was the opposite. They, They couldn't organize their time. They couldn't manage it. They had to start making healthy food for their kids instead of dining out all the time like they might have done in New York before they moved to the suburbs. So I just started encountering all these comments, you know, from, from people who were very, you know, a lot of them very smart, very educated, who could not cook and who couldn't cook on a consistent basis. They might be able to make a meal on a weekend, but they couldn't get it together to make healthy meals every day. So, you know, I'm a social worker, so I'm always looking right. at everything, you know, <laughs> like, how do I fix this problem for this person? That's no, good, because a lot of times we're exhausted. That's why we're not cooking, or we just right, can't find right. the time. But there's, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. And I was encountering people who want to do it, but just couldn't like they were really struggling so i um started uh, just from a number of you know encounters that i had and uh realizing that this might not be about you know intelligence or experience that i felt like there was something deeper because i started interviewing some women one in particular who you know was very honest with me about her eating background i started you know asking questions very personal questions about mm-hmm. you know what was family like life what was family life like around the dinner table and, you know, what kind of foods did you eat growing up? So I started asking questions that a therapist might ask, um, but around cooking and around food. And I found some really interesting things out um, that made me think that, wow, I think that there are, that one of the reasons people aren't cooking is not that they're too busy necessarily. That might not be the only reason or that they've never done it before. It's that people have blocks to cooking. There are reasons that come from childhood or, you know, the recent past that are keeping them from being able to have their mind open to being able to learn about cooking. And I heard you say, I I don't want to forget my thought, is that Mm -hmm. your mother was a role model, which is unbelievable with the amount of kids that she had, that she was still cooking. My mother didn't cook. Yeah. And a lot of people, especially, you know, in the 70s and 80s, people were not, women were not cooking. They were, you know, why not you know, there were all these frozen TV dinners That's and all these things people weren't doing. But my mother grew up in a household where her father had diabetes and wow. my grandmother wanted to take care of it with healthy food That's instead of insulin. Fantastic. And she listened to some radio show, you know, back in the 30s and 40s and mm-hmm. 50s on how to do that. So my mother grew up with the modeling from her mother that you eat really healthy food and that you make it from scratch. You don't eat garbage, you know, even back then. Yes. So... Thank goodness for that, and it, you know, this was passed down, and I didn't realize it at the time, of course. I just thought, you know, my mother had bad food in the house because we never had the sugar (laughs) cereals or the, you know, all the, all, we had some, you know. You didn't have Captain Crunch? Oh. (laughs) Sorry? No Captain Crunch? No cap, please. No cap. We we didn't even start to have ice cream. We started finding out when we went to college that she was the one buying all the heavenly hash ice cream all the time for herself. But um, we we you know we grew. I later was able to appreciate this that my mother really instilled these wonderful habits in us, not just for healthy food, but cooking. Like she cooked. She wasn't an amazing chef by any means, but she cooked. You know, she cooked our food, and always had you know a healthy plate. Mm-hmm. So. I had this epiphany when I was helping this one particular person. Um, I was, uh, you know, hearing about these intimate details of their her life growing up with their food that, oh, my God, people have, some people have psychological obstacles to cooking. It's yes. not about being too busy. It's not about not knowing, you know, being a blank slate because you grew up with convenience food because a lot of these people knew about nutrition. They knew, you know, how to read a recipe, but something was keeping them. So I decided, I, I immediately, I mean, I started 
Take Back the Kitchen. I thought up the name. Great. Um, I wanted it to sound like Take Back the Night. I wanted it to be like a feminist mm-hmm. <laughs> movement. We're going to take back the kitchen, even if nobody physically took it away from us. Like the <laughs> idea that we just, you, know, you can be a modern woman yes. and you can, you know, the, the most feminist thing you can do is to take care, be able to take care of your family and yourself and your health and be able to do this in an organized fashion so that you're not stressed all the time and you're not feeling like you're not doing right by your family health-wise. So I do um, many things with Take Back the Kitchen. I do a lot of videos. I write for CBS.com. Um, oh, I'm a nice. recipe contributor. I wrote, write posts about food. I write for No More TV. It's, um, it's a website that uh, might be turning into a show. Ooh. I have my own blog. I do individual sessions, workshops on this topic. I do presentations. Um, you know, I'm being pitched for TV shows about this because this is sort of a niche you know nobody's done this before this idea that this is not just about here's a five-minute recipe you know because i learned from trying to teach people that way that that's not going to address people's individual obstacles to cooking that's right and it might even make them feel more defeated if you say oh this is so easy it takes five minutes and then they can't do it so it's sort of a cycle it makes them feel even worse and less competent so I, I do discussions on this, and um, I help people get to the root of their issue, and then I teach them practically how to cook. That is great. It, yeah, and that like a great. crash course home ec, which is what we've lost now. You know, people don't consider it important enough to make this mandatory in schools, and it is. People know, need to learn how to cook for themselves and their families, and that it's not right. a lost art. You know, people say, oh, it's a lost art. It's a, you know, we have to cook. We have That's to right. cook from home. But people struggle with being able to do that. Well, some people say, I've heard people say, well, I can't cook. You know, and it, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's it. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking, yes, you can. You can cook. Yes. Everybody it's can wh- cook. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, once you scratch the surface, it could mm-hmm. be a very deep issue. Or it could be something that, oh, I never thought about it in that way. That's why I get frustrated with cooking. Everybody has their own individual obstacles to cooking, and they need to be identified and explored. Right. And I also, I do a lot of gluten-free cooking, mm-hmm. and I, but I don't want to have you know, a lot of high fat, high sugar. But I, so I modify things, and I tell my husband and my girls, cooking is like a chemistry experiment. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes your, your dough will come out dry, and then, you know, Whatever you just you kind of add different things and it's all just because you make it the first time it comes out terrible doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're done with it, right? And what I think exactly what you're saying a lot of people, especially now because historically women were taught how to you had to learn how to cook or else you would die mm-hmm. back in the day because yes. there were no convenience foods so everybody's family taught them how to cook you just grew up learning how to cook because you had to now women are not taught how to cook. And I talk about women because women are really the ones who have the stigma. If you don't know how to cook, men, it's sort of a perk if a guy knows how to cook. But for women, a lot of women feel stigmatized if they cannot cook because they assume that simply because they're a woman, Mm -hmm. they know how to cook. Right. But nobody's taught them how to cook. And historically, they were taught, and that's why they knew how. Now, nobody teaches them how to cook, and they are left feeling like, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm not not a natural-born mother or nurturer or wife. You know, it's a lot of issues come up around cooking because women expect themselves to have this innate knowledge of how to cook, but nobody has that. It's a learned skill. So back to what you were saying about trial and error, a lot of people feel like 
what's wrong with me that I have to experiment with this because it comes so naturally to other people. Right. And my belief is that it only comes naturally to other people because they're more forgiving with themselves, for right. example. Yes. That could be one reason. Or they were exposed to cooking more throughout their life, so they've seen this through osmosis or they were actually taught how to cook. Mm-hmm. So everybody has a different reason for why they might struggle with it. And once you identify that, it's, oh, I never thought about that way. And then you're more, you know, you forgive yourself. You, you allow yourself to be a little more tolerant, you know, yes. when you make mistakes, as opposed to, oh, this came out lousy. I'm a terrible cook. I'm, I'm going to start ordering. I I'm know. Order in. I know. Other people will say, oh, this was lousy. Let me think why. It tastes kind of salty. Maybe I added too much salt. Yeah. They, ration, they, they, they figure it out just like they would any other problem they might have in their life. They yes. would find out, oh, well, let's think about this. Why did I mess this up? And then they would figure it out. But for some reason, people don't apply those things to cooking. They expect cooking to be this natural thing that all of a sudden they're born with a frying pan in their hand. No. No. It's a learned skill. You use the same techniques where you um, try to improve your skills in other areas of life as you would in cooking. That's right. And once people really believe that and, you know, it's explored, it, it makes a huge difference, and it frees them up to make mistakes and to practice, because you have to practice cooking. That's right. And then you'll get good. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing is I try to bring my kids into the equation, so if I'm making something that I want them to eat, I'll say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to try to make this. You want to help me? And then mm-hmm. I say, what does it need? You know, I, yeah. I need a, you know, a sample taste tester, and they come running, and they want to add. And you're powering them, and you're yeah. showing them that it, it takes work and that you, can, you work with it. It's not good or bad. You right. work on it. It's a process. So that's very important to bring your kids into it like you're doing. And I think I didn't grow up having um, family dinners. My, my mm-hmm. mom was divorced, and there was a lot of McDonald's and a lot of pizza, and, and mm-hmm. I remember staying home at night in New York and having TV dinners. Mm-hmm. So for me... Um, I, I do try to make an effort to cook. I know, I, but I do get, you know, kind of lazy. I'm not saying I buy my kids TV dinners, but I know that mm-hmm. when I do make the effort and we sit around and have a nice dinner, it makes such a big difference. Yes, and it's so important for family bonding. And, you know, all these statistics show if you're having a family dinner, the rate of promiscuity goes down, of drug abuse, of alcohol mm-hmm. abuse. You, you know, all of these things have to do with the fact that we're so rarely sitting down, making eye contact with one another and talking about our day yes. to find out what's going on so that those, you know, problematic behaviors don't become a reality. So that's a part of, you know, the family meal and that we've lost that. Everybody's so scattered and busy. And when you cook together and you sit down to a meal, it, you know, it's life-changing for the family. Yes. And it's so, so important. And eating at home is so much more important because you're, you know what you're eating. Exactly. They all, you know, all these, they're, they're identifying all these toxic things in food that have a direct effect on your health yes. and so you really ha- you know we all have to be focused on that and there's so much talk about this like yes we have to cook from home everybody agrees and everybody's on the same page mm-hmm. but you know there's not much out there on what if i really am struggling and it's not just about an easy recipe like i can't seem to do this you know that's where our, that's where i come in <laughs> and it's I think sort it's of great. helping people who have really made an effort and um don't know why they're they're unable to do this or they're really challenged by it where it's taking up way too much time so my work really revolves a lot around um different strategies that i employed in my own life just because i wanted to cook Mm -hmm. even though i was so busy i it it was it it didn't it wasn't even a question it was like i figured it out out of necessity you know and and i didn't even realize i was doing it so i share these strategies and techniques with busy moms and dads too and it, they realize, oh my gosh, this really can be done. Like this is yes. this is doable. So you know, you you have to be open to learning about it, 
which is the psych part, mm-hmm. and then investing the time and energy in the practical work that is the second piece. And I'm going to actually start doing webinars on this. So if you oh, have an email good. list and if people want to contact me, I'm happy to get them on the list. But how can, I'll be starting how, that this year. Oh, good. And how can they contact you? Alma at TakeBackTheKitchen.com. And your two websites are ParentsWhoRock.com and TakeBackTheKitchen.com. Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for calling into the show. This has been fantastic. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and, I, and I, I'm glad somebody read my Family Fun article. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. And I thought, <laughs> I love this woman. I want to have her on my show. <laughs> well, you are. I'm going to have you for dinner when you come this way, when I you come here. So do not forget to email me because I, I am feeding you. Okay. Sounds great. And I'm going to play guitar for you, too. All right. And sing. All right. Well, maybe we'll have a jam session. <laughs> That's right. You sing, too. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Alma. And uh, I'll be in touch. And this, this show, if you've missed any part of the show with Alma, uh, it'll be up on my blog in just a little bit. Have a wonderful day, Alma. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Alma Schneider. Again, I read about Alma on Family Fun, the September issue. And if you missed any part of this, it'll be up on my blog within the next hour, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. And if you want to find out about being a guest on the show, it's very easy. Just send me an email at J-A-N-E-A-N-E, that's J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at org. Have a great week, everybody. I'll be back here next week.